the Soul of America Radio broadcast. Tonight's episode is Let's Straighten It Out, starring Dr. Bo, also known as Big Easy. Big Easy helps you work out and foster healthy relationships. Tonight's show is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio and hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. And now, without any ado, we take you directly to Let's Straighten It Out with Dr. Bo.
people that are 65 to 69 years old, um, there's 82 per 100. So as we see, there are more men living longer, and but when we look at the people that are caring for these folks, there's way more women uh, than men. So as we think about this growing population, there are a lot of things that go along with it. As people live longer, uh, there are going to be different needs that they will have, and the people that are having to care for them are going to be facing a lot of challenges. The challenges for the older people is dealing with retirement or, in some cases, disability. Uh, They're dealing with the loss of their spouse or loss of friends. A lot of older people have to deal with isolation. They have fewer social contacts, and particularly if they live by themselves and uh, don't have much family involved, the social isolation can contribute to a lot of emotional problems like depression and other issues for people. And if they have uh, medical problems, which is also more prevalent with the older population, then that doubles their problems. One of the biggest struggles for older people is the loss of independence. And if you have an older parent, particularly one that had to be put in a nursing home, and this loss of independence and feeling out of control of their life can be pretty overwhelming. So even if there are physical health problems or not debilitating, but they're just not able to manage on their own, that can aggravate their emotional health or their mental health because of the depression and the grief that goes along with their loss of independence and the major change that they have to go through. And depending on how fast their health changes um, will determine what kind of adjustments that they can make, uh, depending on what type of support they have from their family uh, will determine what kind of adjustment that they can make. The challenge for the caregivers is typically trying to juggle multiple tasks because most of the time the caregivers are working and have other family responsibilities, other career responsibilities. They have a life that they want to live, and that's a challenge sometimes. And trying to juggle all those challenges in addition to some of the financial strain that it can cause, if particularly if you're having to care for your parents, it creates some emotional strain because there are sometimes uh, conflicts of allegiance and guilt associated with having to care for a parent. And if you're a member of the sandwich generation, which we'll talk a little bit more about later, then that doubles that conflict of allegiance because you might have to choose between your parents or one of or both parents and your child as well as your spouse. So trying to juggle these multiple roles can be very taxing on the caregiver. Uh, and even if you're not a caregiver, <clears throat> if you're a sibling who's having to support a caregiver, uh, that can create a strain. And that can be very trying for the family as a whole because everybody's role has to change. Everybody's responsibilities change. And there's never going to be an equal sharing of the responsibilities. In most families, there's always going to be one person who is primarily expected to be the primary caregiver. And if that person doesn't have support, then they can really be challenged to try to survive you know, this very difficult time. The primary caregivers for the elderly or what we typically call the baby boomers, which also is the largest segment of our population. Uh, the baby boomers is the largest segment, but the people that they're caring for, which are particularly the 85 and older, is the fastest growing segment of the population. And to determine if you're a baby boomer, if you were born between 1946 and 1964, or if you're between the ages of 48 and 66, then you're considered a baby boomer. And in most instances, this is the group that is largely the primary caretaker for elderly parents and other family members. Um, another challenge that the baby boomers are going to face is 
as baby boomers age, and they are part of both the sandwich generation as well as the senior generation, uh, they need to understand some of the dynamics and how that impacts family relationships because things can change pretty quickly uh, if you're not prepared to deal with some of these changes. And a lot of times people are prepared because although they know that as they live longer that these things are going to happen, we tend to put things off until it just kind of smacks us in the face. We know that our parents are in their 80s and we have gotten accustomed to them being the way that they are, but sometimes their loss of independence and their loss of functioning can kind of slip up on us. Even if you have parents that have health problems, uh, sometimes they're, the point that they reach an inability to care for themselves uh, sometimes can happen overnight. For example, with my parents, my mother's had health problems for years, and we just kind of were accustomed to that. And we did things to help her to deal with that, and we always could depend on my father to be there to help take care of her. Uh, my father's 83 and my mother's 80. Well, uh, back in October, we had to admit my mother to the nursing home and to get her medication regulated. And the very next day, my father, who although he was 83, had been very independent, ended up having a stroke less than 24 hours after admitting my mother to the nursing home. And then in January, we found out that he has uh, inoperable lung cancer. So we went from having a father who, although he was 83 years old, was still fairly relatively healthy, we thought, and very independent, and all of a sudden he's lost that independence. So you never know when this can happen overnight, and you just have to be prepared to deal with these things. So if you are a baby boomer and you're having to care for your parents, but you also have children uh, that you need to care for, then you are a member of the sandwich generation. Uh, a person who's very well-known as far as working with the elderly and who's given a lot of credit for a lot of the focus on caring for elderly is a woman by the name of Carol Abaya, and she has written a lot of books about the sandwich generation and caring for the elderly. Uh, she writes a lot on aging issues, and she actually has a magazine called The Sandwich Generation, um, and that was where some of this stuff comes from. And later on in the show, I will share uh, the link to her website, and after the show is over, I'll post that link in case some of you want to join in and uh, take advantage of some of those resources. The tr tr traditional definition of the sandwich generation is those people, typically baby boomers, sandwiched between their aging parents who need their care and or help and their own children. And these children can be of different ages. Uh, Ms. Abella came up with two terms that was an extension of that, and she called one the club sandwich generation, uh, these are people in their 50s and 60s who are sandwiched between aging parents, adult children, and grandchildren, or they might be in their 30s and 40s with younger children and aging parents or grandparents. So these are what Ms. Abella called the club sandwich generation. And another term that she coined was the open-faced sandwich generation, and this would be anybody else who's involved in caring uh, for the elderly. And so as we get more into the discussion tonight, we want to look at what are some of the common characteristics of uh, this segment of our population and what are some things that they need to be mindful of to help themselves and also what do we expect from uh, some of the people that we're having to care for. And one of the things that we need to remember is that there's no right or wrong way to provide care for our parents. You have to take each case on its own merit. You have to take each family situation on its own merit because we're all different and all families are different. And every situation and every relationship is going to be different. And there's no magic wand that can just 
make things go away. So the key to remember if you are a caretaker is the advice that they give you when you're on the plane. They tell you about the oxygen mask that you have to put on your own oxygen mask first before you try to help someone else. So if you are a member of the sandwich generation and you are caring for an elderly parent and your children or if you're just caring for elderly parents, then uh, this show is for you. We're going to take a little break, and then we will be back in a little bit. show by phone, you can speak to the host by pressing 1. Right now, that will put you in the caller's queue and allow the host to see that you want to speak. If you're listening via internet and want to call in, dial 323-784-9638 and then you press 1. Otherwise, you can dial that number and listen to the entire show. You're listening to Soar. Chris was right. Talk radio, coast to coast. This is the Soul of America Radio. 
obvious that if you have that situation where your parents are in need, uh, you're going to want to help them. But uh, sometimes if you're doing it out of obligation and guilt, you need to be prepared to deal with the natural resentment that will come up with that. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. That just means that you're human. Uh, the same article said that 17% of the people would be eager to find their parents or in-laws another living arrangement, meaning put them somewhere else. And 8% said they would charge their parents' rent. Now, that's a little cold-blooded, but I guess people are being honest. Uh, but that can be a very difficult situation, and depending on how stable your marriage is, that can either make or break that marriage if you have to assume the responsibility of also uh, caring for parents. So if you're in a situation where one of your parents or an in-law has to move in, uh, you need to be mindful of looking at what are the needs of your parents. If you have children, you need to make sure that you are mindful of their needs and then what are your needs, including um, your relationship. So if you're in the situation where your parent or in-law has to move in with you, it's very, very important that you get your expectations um, clear on the front end and also to know what your parents' expectations are because um, you're talking about blending two families together uh, with people that are accustomed to being in charge, and sometimes if you aren't clear and everybody on the same page about what your expectations are, how you're going to share responsibilities, um, it's ideal if your parent or in-law can have their own space. Um, they have some houses with what they call an uh, in-law apartment, but you are better you're less likely to have some of the conflicts that develop unless you have a very solid, healthy relationship with your parents or in-laws. It's preferable that they have their own space because that helps them to still feel like they're having some independence or having some control over their life. And they're going to have to have their own social activities, and so you want to try to keep them involved. But if you have to have your parents or in-laws move in with you, it's very important that you get all this stuff straightened up front, and maybe even in writing. And I'm not implying that you need to necessarily have a contract, but you need to really make sure that everybody is in agreement about what you want to do. If you have small children or children that are even teenagers, uh, you want to get some input from them, not not the smaller children, you know, you want to be sensitive to their needs, but if you have teenagers or young adult children, which is sometimes the case, then it's important that you include them in that process, discuss with them uh, what your plans are, because if you've got teenagers, you are dealing with the fact that they're going through a lot of changes, they're at the point where they're getting ready to graduate from high school or move on uh, to college, then you're having to look at two transitions. One, the transition of your parents or in-laws moving with you, and the other one is the transition of your child moving out. Either of those major transitions in a family can be very stressful and can be very unsettling. And so if you're having to deal with both of those issues, uh, you want to make sure that you give your children and your parents as much support as you can um, helping the children to understand why their grandparents are having to move in. Uh, it's very, very critical that you don't saddle the children with being responsible for caring for the parents. They can be supportive and loving and still be grandchildren, but it can be very difficult for the child if they are dragged into the responsibility of having to help care for the parents. And you have to be patient uh, with your child um, and helping them to make that adjustment. Uh, as you're going through these changes, you need to make sure um, that you do what you need to do to manage your own health, both your physical health as well as your emotional or mental health, and doing things like eating healthily and exercising and 
having some outlets for yourself. Uh, you want to not isolate yourself from your friends and your uh, social interests. Now, that can be a challenge sometimes, juggling that schedule, but it's helpful if you can sit down with your spouse and with your children and work out a schedule to where you want to try to keep your routine as close to normal as possible. Uh, you want to include your parents or in-laws, but you also want to make sure that you have some separate activities for them and you can still have a blended family and not be overwhelmed by feeling like you've got to give up your friends' activities and uh, interests because of that. Now, some of that's going to be influenced by the health of your parents or in-laws. Um, it's very important that you don't neglect your marriage. You're going to have to um, take time and make time for each other. You want to have some privacy, so you might have to go out, and so you can have a date night. Uh, if your kids um, need someone to care for them, if your parents or in-laws are not at a point where they can care for your children, you might have to get someone to care for both your parents and your children, but you need to periodically take a break on a regular basis to have some time with your spouse and to do things that you would normally do so that you continue to um, work on your responsibilities. And there are a lot of services. There are community agencies that provide uh, respite care, that provide um, home health and that sort of thing that can give you support. And so you need to be willing to take advantage of that. So if you have your parents living with you, then that can be an even greater challenge than if they are um, not living with you. But if you have time to plan ahead, then it's better to look at the logistics of what is it going to be like having your parents or in-laws moving in with you and blending these families together because I guarantee you it's going to be quite different than when you go to visit or have a family reunion where you know that once the activity is over, they're going to go home. Well, they're going to go home, but that home is going to be with you. And it's very important that you make an assessment of what was your relationship like, what's your relationship been with your parents over the years before they had to move in with you. Um, things aren't going to change. If you didn't get along before they moved in with you, I guarantee you it's probably going to be worse after they move in. So hopefully you have a healthy, stable relationship with your parents. But when you're having to make that kind of adjustment to take it on the added responsibility of caring for a parent or an in-law and at the same time the responsibility of caring for your family, that takes a lot of cooperation and coordination between you and your spouse, um, you and your children. Hopefully you have some siblings or other family members that would help you to address that. And depending on the condition of your parents and how much they can still care for themselves will influence what kind of plans you need to make. Uh, because one of the biggest challenges for caring for your parents, whether they're still in their own home but they have deteriorating health issues or if they have to move in with you and their health deteriorates to where it becomes impractical, if not impossible, for you to care for them, then you have to go through that decision of are we going to put them in a nursing home or assisted living. And that can be a very difficult time for family members because oftentimes the family don't agree on what needs to be done. And more often than not, the person or persons who's going to be the most vocal about not wanting to put mom or pop in the nursing home are also going to be the least likely to provide any kind of support or assistance. They will offer their opinion about what you ought or ought not to do, but you can't always rely on them to be available to help and provide assistance. So that can be a very difficult time for a family if the parent's uh, condition deteriorates to the point to where you have to consider placing them in nursing home or assisted living. 
And so if you have elderly parents that are in good health, then you need to start preparing to decide what are we going to do when that happens to when they can't live by themselves. Uh, what are you going to do when they uh, have to make that transition to needing uh, more assistance? And you shouldn't put it off. You, you know, sometimes people don't want to talk about it. It's like sometimes people avoid talking about death, but you know we're all going to die sometime, so you're better off if you plan ahead than if you just wait till the last minute and then you push to try to figure out what you're going to do. So those are just some suggestions of if you have to bring your parents in to live with you. We're going to take another break in a few minutes, and after we come back from break, we'll talk a little bit more about care for parents that they have to live with you, and then we're going to look at what are some things that you can do to cope if they don't. So during the break, call your friends, tell them to tune in to uh, soulofamericaradio.com or ask them to call in 323-784-9638. We'll be back in a few. by phone and want to make a comment, press 1 to speak to the host. Otherwise, you can call in if you're listening on the internet at 323-784-9638 and then you can press 1 if you want to speak to the host. And now, back to the show. Okay, folks, welcome back to Let's Straighten It Out. This is Dr. Bo, a.k.a. Big Easy. Our topic tonight is the Sandwich Generation Role Reversal 101. So if you are a baby boomer and you're also a part of the Sandwich Generation where you're having to take care of an aging parent and children at the same time, or if you're having to take care of parents, children, and grandkids, or just your parents, you qualify as being a member of the sandwich generation. Uh, right before the break, we were talking about some things that you need to consider and do if your parents or in-laws have to move in with you. The main thing to remember is you've got to preserve your family, your marriage, and your family, and sometimes you have to be able to 
set limits and know what your limits are and to not be overwhelmed by guilt or other you know, compelling reasons to do things that you really can't do. You have to know when to say when, and sometimes it's just not practical to continue to meet the physical, medical, and emotional needs of your parents. Uh, they might have some pretty significant health problems that uh, make it impossible for you to keep them at home, even with home health services or other means of support. So you have to look at what is their condition, what can I do, and what are some things that are beyond my ability to manage. And so the very important thing, as I said before break, is that the first rule is that you got to take care of yourself. I used the analogy of when you're on the plane, they tell you to put on your own oxygen mask first before you try to help someone else. That's always good advice because if you're down and out, then you can't help yourself or anybody else. So uh, do things to take care of yourself. Uh, set aside some time to do things that you enjoy doing. Uh, if you have hobbies or things that you enjoy doing, if you do volunteer work or something to kind of get you away from home, then you need to be willing to do that without feeling guilty. And hopefully you have someone to provide some support for you, but sometimes people just don't have help and they don't know when to say when and they just wear themselves out and then they need as much help as their parents do. So if you are the caretaker, you need to be a little selfish and do things that are going to help to maintain your physical, mental, and emotional health and well-being so that you can be around longer to care for your aging parents or your children or both. Uh, if you're not realistic and you don't eat properly, don't get plenty of rest and exercise and do those things that were good for you, then that can be stressful not only for you, it can be stressful for your family. It can actually aggravate some of the problems that you have because you're just um, not doing well. You might be irritable and edgy or um, just frustrated. So take care of yourself. Uh, it's important, as I said right before the break, for you to try to plan ahead. If your parents are getting up in age, you know that if they are blessed enough to live longer, that there's a pretty good chance that they're going to have some health problems, that it's going to reach a point in their life where they aren't able to take care of themselves. And to deny that and to put it off, it's not going to go away. And so at some point you got to address that. It's ideal if you can sit down and have a pre-plan done with your parents. It's like some people pre-plan their own funeral, and they get all those things taken care of early on so that when that time comes, they don't have to deal with it. If you involve your parents and your family in the planning before they need to have that assistance, then they can have a, more of a sense of independence and have more input into what they want done with them. Uh, one of the things that we oftentimes don't think about is people who uh, don't think about doing wills, or another one is that they don't think about doing advanced directives. So if you have a parent, you need to know what do you want to happen if you or at a point in a vegetative state. You know, uh, people might tell you, but then again, they might not. So it's important for you to have some input from your parents while they're able to make those decisions about what they want done about their health, what they want done about their finances, because if you don't have a will, if you don't have an advanced directive, then while you're dealing with aging, ill parents or deceased parents, then you have folks fighting over who's going to get what and who's going to do what and what do they want to do with mom or dad. So it's best if you make these plans in advance when your parents is able to have some input and maybe they can put it in a will or an advanced directive and uh, let you know uh, what they want. And you need to be willing to honor their request um, because they should have a say on what they want to happen in their lives. And if they reach a point to where uh, they aren't able to make those decisions, then you want to consider when do you 
look at a power of attorney. Um, uh, and you might do this early on with the understanding that as long as your parents are competent and capable, they can always revoke that. But uh, sometimes you need to do that early on so that you don't have to deal with that and go through a lot of legal hassle uh, to get that done later. So it's better to plan ahead, especially when your parents can be involved in making those decisions. I think it's important for you to um, draw strength from your faith, whatever your faith might be. Uh, a lot of people say that's what helps them to keep going. Uh, they look at their spiritual life and um, they have whatever faith-based community you're involved in, uh, you need to take advantage of that for support um, and to help you to get through those times. And so it's important for you to value that and also to respect and value whatever your parents' faith might be. Sometimes that can draw a family together. Sometimes it can put a wedge between people. Uh, so it's important for you to Use that as a part of taking care of yourself. Use that as a part of developing a network for your family and getting assistance. I think it's important for you to not try to do it all by yourself. Uh, you need to seek support from your family. You know who's going to help, uh, and you know who's not going to help. And if you have a sibling or a family member that's always been a taker <laughs> and never really helped, then don't expect that person to change overnight just because your parent is in need, uh, what they might do is become more unavailable, but you can't expect people to be any different than they've always been, but it's not unrealistic for you to at least expect them to help, and you need to be willing to say, uh, this is what I'm willing to do and what I'm not willing to do. If you are a sibling and you're not the primary caretaker, it's helpful if you would volunteer uh, to help your sibling and not wait for them to ask for you. And there's always all kinds of ways that you can split up the responsibilities of uh, caring for your family. And I think it's very important that you keep communication open. Um, I and my two brothers are spread out. I've got one who's in Selma with where my parents are. I'm in Tennessee and my other brother's in Indiana, but we try to make sure that we communicate on a daily basis of uh, what's going on and what we're doing and what we're going to do. We've been blessed that we're all on the same page about what we want to do with our parents, and we've gotten some input from them about what they want to do, but sometimes that's not the case where sometimes you have people that can't agree on what they want, and all that does is add more stress to an already stressful situation. So it's important that you communicate openly as you try to solicit support from your family. You also need to have a support network outside the family. It might be friends or neighbors, or it might be your minister or someone, but uh, you need someone to give your family a break because you need to be willing to spread it around, and so if you don't have a big family, um, then you might have to seek support from your neighbors or from other sources, but it's important that you realize that you can't do it all by yourself. If you wear yourself out, then you're not going to be in a position to help either yourself or your parents, and so it's important that you keep a balance in your life and that you are putting yourself first, so to speak, uh, so that you can have the energy that you need. Uh, if you're still working, uh, it's important that you can go to your employer and to let them know what your predicament is, and sometimes it's helpful if you can negotiate a flexible schedule to where if you have to take off to go and take your parent to the doctor or something of that nature, you have a cooperative employer who understands and who's willing to work with you. Um, that's very important. You don't have to go into all the specific details about your parents' health and condition, and a lot of companies have policies built in to 
allow for you to take care of your parents. Uh, my office agency has a very generous uh, family medical leave policy that um, allows a lot of leeway in who you can use leave for. So uh, that's been a blessing. So it's helpful if your employer is understanding. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is to keep that from your employer and then something comes up where you absolutely have to go and they are just finding out about it. So uh, you want to talk with your supervisor and to, again, you don't have to go into explicit detail about what the condition is, but it helps if you can give them a heads up and let them know that from time to time you're going to have to take off and uh, take care of your parents. And if you're blessed to where you can have a flexible work schedule, uh, then that's, you know, good. But you just need to make sure that you do that early on and not wait until it's too late. Uh, we are getting close to time, folks. Time is really flying tonight. We've got about uh, 12 more minutes left. We're going to take a real short break, and then we're going to wrap it up with a few things that you can do to help. So if you want to call in after the break, that's 323-784-9638, or you want to make a comment, then we'll be glad to let you do that. I'll be back in a few minutes, and then we're going to wrap it up. So hold tight. Tell them where they can get some soulful talk radio. Right here on the Soul of America Radio. Every Thursday night at 8 o'clock p.m. here on the Soul of America Radio, you be sure to tune in and listen to Dr. Bo also known as Big Easy. Big Easy hosts a segment called Let's Straighten It Out, in which we work out or help you work out relationship issues, whether it's parent, child, friend, co-worker, or even the special love of your life. You can call Big Easy right here at 323-784-9638. 323-784-9638. So throw everything else you got to do on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time, throw it out the window, and you tune in right here to the Soul of America Radio and listen to Big Easy. Okay, folks, we're in the home stretch. We're going to be wrapping it up here again if you are a member of the Sandwich Generation and you want to uh, get some assistance. There are a couple of things. I'm going to put some links on after the show, and I'll post it on my Facebook page and on uh, the Soul of America Radio uh, 
was talking about earlier with the work by Carol Abaya is www.sandwichgeneration.com. Again, www.sandwichgeneration.com. And there's also an excellent article that you might find helpful, um, and I will post that one as well. Um, but the one by Ms. Abaya is www.sandwichgeneration.com. Some of these are a little bit long. There's one that's www.womanshealth.com, and it has a link to several different articles uh, that you might find helpful. Or you can just uh, go to the AARP uh, website, or if you just Google Sandwich Generation, there's a wealth of information available on the Internet of uh, helping you to um, identify some of the issues of caring for elderly parents, um, and particularly some of the things that you can do to help care for yourself because that's so critical um, that you do things to help yourself. So it's important that you start early trying to find out what are some of the resources available uh, in your area. Uh, If you have an area office on agent, a lot of cities have a regional office that deals with Elderly, and so if you have an area office on aging, uh, that's a good resource. If you have um, a Department of Human Services, sometimes they have uh, resources for families. But you can always uh, go on the AARP website, and they typically will have links to uh, different areas that will show you what some of the resources are. It's important if you have aging parents. Uh, as they get older, it's important for you to be involved with their life, talk with their doctors, talk with their care providers, and know uh, what's going on with them. Uh, get list of what medication uh, they're taking, what are some of the side effects of the medication, what are some of the uh, adverse effects of mixing medication with different medications with alcohol and that sort of thing. So. You want to start early to do some of those things before your parents' health get to the point where you are needing more help, and you have to be willing to uh, to do that. Uh, we got a caller that looks like this caller uh, might want to say something. So, okay, caller, did you want to make a comment or ask a question? Hello, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. Welcome. I I am sorry. I, I tuned in late, and this may have already come out. But um, also with, with, with elderly parents, I've noticed it's not just really, and you might have already brought this up, it's not, I've noticed that even with the medical portion, that definitely is, needs to be stressed. But I, I, as as my parents have gotten older as well, I've noticed that it, I should have, gotten a little bit more involved, especially being an only child, and Mm -hmm. even if you're not within their financial dealings and uh, within what they they might be involved in financially, stocks, bonds, bank accounts, uh, Mm -hmm. anything, because a lot of times what I found, like in my situation, I, I, I wasn't involved being an only child. Now that they are elderly and, uh, and and going into some other areas uh, emotionally and mentally and, and even health-wise, mm-hmm. I'm really trying to dig my way out now. So um, I, I I just wanted to throw in that I that I think it's important at a, at an er, as early as you can to get involved with uh, with your parents' financial activities, power mm-hmm. of attorneys, and and and, and what is it of. Uh, uh, living will. Advanced directive living will. I think you're right. absolutely right. It's better to do that early on, and we did mention especially when your parents are able to have their input because uh, it can be very stressful trying to figure that stuff out and trying to sort through your family's parents' belongings, trying to figure out where stuff is. If you do that in advance and put it in a safe deposit box or put it somewhere where everyone knows you know what it is. Now, some parents <laughs> might be a little sticky about what they want to let you know, but hopefully they will be willing to be prepared because it really takes a lot of stress off the children. And if you're an only child, that's really important because 
that can be uh, triple whammy trying to do that. But I think the earlier we prepare to be involved with our parents of knowing uh, what their health issues are, what kind of medication they're on, because some of the things you need to be aware of is certain medications have a different impact on elderly than they do on younger people, particularly some of the medicine that they provide for uh, for pain. Uh, my mom was on Oxycontin at one point, and uh, that became a really uh, big issue. So it's important that you know as soon as possible what their health issues are, what their medication is, work on things like a power of attorney or advanced directives. For example, when my father had a stroke, um, we weren't sure which way that was going to go, so we had a shared power of attorney between me and my two brothers, and we all agreed that if he recovered, then you know we would not need it anymore. But and he did recover, so we. But at least we had that because if we didn't have it, and he had not recovered, then you got to go through the issue of getting all the medical certificates and legal stuff to get that done. So if you can do all this stuff with finances and advanced directives and wills and all that stuff early on, it really saves a lot of trouble later on because when you're dealing with the emotional stress or distress of having to deal with your parents' aging and ailments, you don't want all that other stuff piled on top of it. Uh, So the more you can do early on, uh, the better off. So we really appreciate you sharing that point. And thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. Okay, so one thing that you want to do is that um, if you need to get professional help, then you need to be willing to do that. Uh, I think you have to also allow yourself time for you and your parents to go through the grief for the morning of their aging uh, sometimes this has already started with your parents and they or have some premature mourning because they recognize when things aren't going as well as they used to. Uh, and so it's important that you recognize that there's a certain amount of grieving that goes along with that process. And you have to realize that because you're human, there are going to be some times that you're just going to be a little tired and frustrated and angry or all those things, and you're human. And so you need to have someone that you can talk to and to ventilate your feelings and realize that you're not perfect, that you're not invincible, and sometimes you need help. You're going to have some feelings that you're not going to feel good about. You're going to have some feelings of guilt. You're going to have some feelings that you just don't want to be bothered. And so all these things are normal. Now, they have a lot of uh, support groups for caretakers. And if there's one in your uh, community, then you need to do that. And the last thing that you want to think about, too, um, or one thing that's important, is mindful of your parents' need for maintaining their dignity and independence. So hopefully some of these things that we shared with you tonight have been helpful and we'll tune in next week. Again, thank you, as always, for tuning in uh, to Let's Straighten It Out, and we'll come up with something next week that hopefully will be of help to you. So thanks again, and we're going to sign off, and we'll see you next Thursday.